0: our kids make their way down to CFC Kids, we make our way over into the Proverbs once again. Today will be a little bit different. We've been through Proverbs 1 through 9, which is kind of one long lecture from a father to a son. And then chapters 10 through 29 enter a sort of smattering of sayings, of Proverbs, maxims, axioms. There's different words you can use for these sort of one or two liners that give you a peek into God's window uh, uh, of wisdom for life. Uh, Some of them are clustered into little topics, and some of them are sort of, each one seems like it's about a different topic. It seems miscellaneous um, in those middle chapters, 10 through 29. So some of you have been wondering, are we going to preach through every single proverb? No, we're not going to do that. Uh, When we get to chapters 30 and 31, there'll be one sermon for chapter 30, one sermon for chapter 31, because it goes back into sort of lecture mode, if you will. But these middle chapters, what we're going to do is take four topics, and each Sunday, four Sundays in a row, we'll take one topic and look at various Proverbs throughout that miscellaneous bunch from 10 to 29 And we won't look at every proverb on that topic, but several ones to get an idea of God's wisdom on that particular topic. Does that make sense? Okay, now that I got that out of the way, let's pray and we'll enter today's topic. Father, we are grateful to you for your word that we don't uh, wander this life aimless without guardrails, without light, without direction, without a map, without uh, instruction. We We're grateful to you for what you give us in your word, and we pray that as we look at several choice-inspired scripture passages uh, in the book of Proverbs, we pray that we would learn them, understand them, be shaped by them, Father, for your glory as we lean on Jesus Christ and the indwelling of your spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Most of us recognize that we need friends, and uh, I don't know how many sermons I've ever heard on friendships, but I'm struck, as you read through the Bible, it is a topic that comes up, the friendship between David and Jonathan, for example. You read through the Proverbs, it talks about good friends, bad friends. Um, Some of us might go, eh, I don't need friends, but if we really sat down and unpacked that, that might be... You were burned by some friends or people that you thought were friends, and your response to that wasn't get better friends. Your response was to shut down and not make any friends. That's not good. But I'd probably most of us would recognize, no, we need friends. Friends are good to have in your life, um, which is great. But we we might need some coaching on how to choose friends, how to select friends, which friends should really be the ones in your life that you would call your companions in this walk, and maybe others that uh, are more acquaintances, but maybe not the friends that you thought you needed in your life. The Proverbs have a lot to say about friendship, in this, especially in this uh, middle portion of chapters, but even before that. And as we look at those, we're going to see several Proverbs on the topic of friends, companions, uh, the company you keep uh, type of topic. And in order to do this, uh, you I, I invite you, if you have the skill and the wherewithal to flip around in the Proverbs quickly and follow with me, that's awesome. If I hear pages going, whoosh, 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 or, you know, you can scroll, I guess, I don't know. Um, great, that's great. But what we're going to do today is put the verses up on the screen. Uh, and this is not Something new we're going to do, and we're not going to open our Bibles anymore. This is just to facilitate the fact that we're kind of bouncing around in the Proverbs a little bit. And to kind of get through it, uh, we're going to put the verses up on the screen. For those of you getting ready for growth group, uh, growth group leaders, please remind me. I'll send you the verses. Okay, Write these down, but I'll send you the verses just so that when you meet together in your growth groups, these were the verses uh, that we looked at on Sunday, and that can be the meat for... Your meal on Tuesday night or Saturday morning. If you're not in a growth group, Tuesday night or Saturday morning, come on out and uh, enjoy it. Enjoy the conversation. Okay, here's the first thing that I think we notice from the Proverbs with regard to wisdom. Um, Before you think about even making friends, before you think about the topic of choosing friends or analyzing which friends you have in your life, the first truth we learn in the book of Proverbs, literally the first thing we get to with regard to friendship in the book of Proverbs, is that if wisdom is your friend first, then you'll make wise friends. If wisdom is your friend first, then you'll make wise friends. This is because you'll make wise decisions in general, right? If wisdom is your first friend, then your first thing you're thinking about is what is wise, and when you select friends, you'll choose Wisely rather than choosing foolishly. Check out Proverbs chapter 7, 4 through 5, 4 and 5. Proverbs chapter 7, 4 and 5. So this is before we even get into, this is still in the, the dad's lecture, right? Talking to the son. Here's what you're supposed to do. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call insight your intimate friend. Of course. In the Proverbs, we see wisdom, knowledge, insight, instruction are kind of used in overlapping ways. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call insight your intimate friend. He's not saying, have wisdom as your sister, but don't also forget insight over here as a friend. He's using sister, friend, a a close person to you, uh, wisdom, insight. He's putting those together. You are my sister, call insight your intimate friend. Why? Why? To keep you from the forbidden women, from the adulteress with her smooth words. You remember, we visited this before several times. Adultery in the Proverbs is not just about literal adultery, although it definitely is about that. But the reason why there's so much attention on adultery is because it's, it's cheating on your covenant God. It's, it's doing something outside of what your covenant God has asked you to do. And when you're unfaithful to him, uh, while God is faithful to us, he uses marital fidelity as the as the illustration of that does he not and so what this is basically saying is if you're going to make the right decisions and not commit adultery either literally or generally by by entering into folly going into woman folly's house instead of going into uh, lady wisdom's house as we looked at last week the difference is whether you make wisdom your intimate friend first and oftentimes that's not the first step we take If wisdom is your first friend, your first loyalty, then you make decisions from there and that'll shape the kind of decisions you make. And with regard to the topic of friends, it'll shape the kind of friends you surround yourself with in this life. Now here, I want to remind us that uh, Jesus is our true wisdom because he embodies truth. He is the Logos. Some of us talked about this in growth groups. He's the Word of God. He embodies all of wisdom's benefits, like life and blessing. When the Proverbs say, choose wisdom and you'll have life, right, instead of death. Well, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? So Jesus embodies all of that. And because that's true, when the Proverbs tell us, make wisdom your intimate friend first, it would be right of us to think, yeah, that's Jesus. Jesus is my first friend. And then all my other friends that I choose are made in relation to that, Him being the center. Uh, This is not on the screen, and I won't quote it exactly, but I'll summarize. John 15, and it's familiar to many of you, but uh, John 15, 13, 14, and 15, if you want to write it down to look at later. But this is familiar to many of you. He tells his disciples, I'm your friend. And the reason why he tells them, I'm your friend, I'm I'm your consummate friend, your ultimate friend, is because I lay my life down for you. That's the kind of friend I am. I lay my life down for you. Then he says, you are my friend's. If you lay your life down for me, no. I'm your friend because I lay my life down for you. You're my friend if you do what I tell you to do, if you adhere to my instruction or follow my wisdom. So, Jesus makes us friends, he befriends us. Uh, as we sang in that first song, uh, ponder anew what the Almighty can do if with his love he befriend thee, right? That's how he befriended you. That's how he set his love on you. Jesus Christ laid his life down. That's how he brought you into the friendship. Now he's like, you want to maintain this friendship? You want to keep this friendship with me? You want me to be your closest, most intimate friend? Follow my wisdom, follow my instruction, obey my command. You're like, Jesus wasn't that into obedience? Yeah, that's how he charged the disciples in Matthew 28. Going to all the world, baptizing people, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Of course he is. That is friendship with God. If someone ever tells you, if you're going to be my friend, you can't give me rules. Well, friendship is based on rules, whether you like it or not. There are are standards. There are things that uphold that friendship and things that break the friendship. Jesus is saying, obedience, following my wisdom is what maintains the friendship with me. It's what friendship is with me. Then he says, so I'm your friend because I lay my life down for you. You're my friends because you do what I command you. You follow my wisdom. And then he says, I call you friends rather than servants. Because a master doesn't tell his servants what he's doing, but I tell you what the Father tells me. In other words, if you're like, I want to follow you and be your friend, but how do I follow your commands? Well, that's why I say friend. Because as a friend, I'm not going to keep you guessing as to what I'm up to or what the Father expects. I, I'm giving that to you. So the friendship between us, us and Christ is him doling out wisdom and us eating it up, right? We follow the wisdom that he gives us as he gives us the wisdom. So Jesus is The first friend in your life. The ultimate friend, the perfect friend, the center. And all other friendships are spokes on that hub. Now in one sense we're like, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Well, analyze the friendships in your life. Why you chose those friendships. Are any of those friendships pulling you from that center rather than helping you stay centered? Jesus is the first friend. We're going to get to more of that. But I think we, what we need to understand first, every decision we make in this life should be based on our friendship with Christ. Every decision. He laid his life down to rescue us, transform us, change us, and now we live in obedience to his commands as he relays, us, relays scripture to us. But, This doesn't just relate to everything in life. It relates specifically to choosing friends. But we often choose friends the same way we would choose friends if Jesus weren't the center. I'm going to say that again. Those of us who are Christians, often the way we choose friends is no different than the way we would choose friends if Jesus weren't our first friend. We choose them like everybody else chooses them. How do we choose friends oftentimes? There's three ways. Experience-based choosing. We went to college together. We were having babies at the same time. You know what I mean? So we swapped, I don't know, baby tips. <laughs> I didn't plan that part out too well. You shared something in the past. You were in the same military group. You, were, you, were, you went to the same school. Uh, you were bullied by the same math teacher. I don't know something in your past that united you and you kept hanging out after that similarly we have affinity-based choosing we choose friends that have the same hobbies we choose friends that shop in the same places we choose friends that have similar interests and i'm and i'm going to press this on you now how many of us would say our best friends are non-christians and we try to become best friends with christians but eh, it doesn't really click I want to challenge that because if my idea of a best friend is the guy that wants to go fishing with me, what I'm going to say is that rubs against the definition of friendship in Proverbs. Everybody wants to hang out with the person that wants to do the same thing. We like the same cars. We like the same hobbies. We like to shop in the same places. We like to wear the same clothing. We love to gossip about politics because we're on the same side of the aisle. Everybody chooses friendships that way. That's not what Proverbs talks about when it comes to wise friendships. We might choose friends based on experience, based on affinity, or just time shared. Another way might just be we spend time together. You work together all week, or you go to the same gym all the time. You live in the same cul-de-sac. You know, If you moved away, and eh, the friendship kind of dissipates. But there's something that demands you sharing time together. You work together. You do things together. It's a schoolmate. You're on the same football team. Whatever it is, you're, you're sharing something that forces you to have time together. And so it's almost like friend by default. Of this group that I'm forced to be with, I get along with this person the most, and it's almost like a default friendship. We don't think of it that way, but that's kind of what it is. And then when you move away, you're like, oh, are we going to stay in touch? No, probably not. I mean, you might, but not, not if the foundation of the friendship was time spent together. You graduate, you go to another school, you're not at the same school anymore, and you start losing touch. That's normal, and none of those things are sinful. I'm not saying it's sinful to go fishing with somebody that's not a Christian. Don't hear me saying that. What I'm saying is we need to redefine and recalibrate what it is, what, what we mean by friendship when we think about friendships. Wisdom demands that you not only choose your friends wisely, but that you choose wise friends. So here's the main point I want to score with you. Choose wise friends by having Jesus first. When Jesus is our intimate friend first, then we will choose wise friends, and those wise friends, in turn, will grant us wisdom. This is because wisdom rubs off. Now, here's the key verse. Of all the verses I'm going to give you, here's the key one. You ready? It's going to be up on the screen, chapter 13, verse 20. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Here it is, the positive and the negative side. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. How simple is that? Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. What happens if you don't really walk with the wise? And you kind of spend a lot of time with fools. You will suffer harm. That's that's what's going to happen. The first harm that you suffer is you don't become wise out of the benefit of those wise friendships. Right? Right? You walk with the wise, you become wise. Don't walk with the wise, you're missing out on that wisdom. You're walking with those who don't have wisdom. What do you call those? What do the Proverbs call those people? Fools. This is because we conform to our environment. Whether you like it or not. As people, we're products of our environment. You know what I'm saying? It's like I, I, I'm, I'm always intrigued when you travel and certain locations latch onto a food like there is no other food. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like Italian beef. But I remember, like, I went to, like, three pastor's things last week, and it was Italian beef, Italian beef, and Italian beef. I'm like, outside of Chicago, nobody eats this. I don't know if you know this. Like, nobody eats Italian beef outside of Chicago. It's good, but as a people, we just latch on. And, like, you know, and it's not just Chicago. Everybody has their thing. Um, I do not recommend Cincinnati chili. If you're from there, no no offense, you know, just people have their their weird things, but it's it's because when you live together in a certain group, you start liking the same things. You start, you know, cutting pizza into little squares. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay, I don't want to diss Chicago. I love Chicago. Okay. You become like the people you're around. This is what you tell your kids is what your parents told you. It's, it's not that hard to figure out. And when you're with people who think a certain way, they have Jesus at the center of their lives. That is going to bolster, affirm Jesus being at the center of your life. The Proverbs is saying, those are the people you want to walk with. You're like, well, this is talking about walking with people. It's not talking about friendship, right? But the opposite is a companion of fools. See, companionship with those who don't walk in that direction, uh, will hurt you. Now, On one sense, I I have this reminder in the back of my head. I kept, like I made a note to myself several times, like make sure you remind them, you're not saying, you must never have a friend that's not a Christian. That's not what I'm saying. That would be one extreme. Are you you a believer? No. You're out of my life. I'm done with you. That's, no, that's not what scripture is calling us to do. most of us don't struggle at that end. Most of us struggle on this end where we go, well, Jesus hung out with sinners, and all we do is hang out with sinners. Hang out with sinners. Like, did Jesus really hang out? I think he had intentionality behind every single thing he did. I think he was here on a mission. And I think when he sat with unbelievers, he was the influencer. He didn't walk away from the table like, huh, man, maybe I should chill out a little bit. A little too holy. They left the table going, whoa, I either hate this guy or I love this guy. One of the two. Because he doesn't move. He doesn't move. So if we're going to use the whole Jesus hung out with sinners thing, well, hang out with them the way he did. He was the influencer. But didn't he always, even Jesus himself, retreat back to the 12? And even within the 12, retreated to the three? You, you have close companions for a reason. And Jesus, even in his humanity, leaned into his friendships And he chose friends wisely. You're like, well, one of the 12, he didn't choose wisely. That was intentional to fulfill scripture as Acts 1 tells us. Jesus wasn't like, oh, I messed up. He knew. So did the disciples, by the way. They're like, this dude is stealing money the whole time. They must have wondered, why is Jesus still keeping this guy around? They were confused until they found out later it was to fulfill scripture. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. The reason why you gain wisdom by being around friends and companions that have wisdom is because they benefit you by giving you more wisdom. In this way, they can be better than even a sibling. Chapter 17, verse 17. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times... And a brother is born for adversity. There's great irony in having a brother that hates you, but then a, a friend from church, let's say, is the one that sticks with you in difficult time. But we all know that that's often true. This is because real friendship is not based on affinity, even if that affinity is family. Even if that affinity is family. True friendship is not based on any other affinity but having wisdom as your intimate friend first. Jesus Christ Himself. A friend sticks with you because they are wed to Christ as well. You might have family members that they're not believers, they may not understand some of the decisions you make. Jesus said, I came to bring a sword to divide home, even marriages. You're like, wow, why would he do that? Well, it's not like I hate marriages, I want to break the home up. That's Satan. But Jesus understands if he steps into a family and rescues the wife, she's going to start thinking things, behaving a certain way, that the whole family is going to be like, what are you doing? I mean, So that it brings a kind of division. What the proverb is saying is, the true friend, there will, no be, there will not be a division there. Because the center of that friendship is wisdom, and not something else. Fishing, car shows, or whatever it might be. Those aren't sinful things to do. But at the center of the friendship, what's really actually there? Hopefully it's Christ, and not the book club or whatever other affinity we might share Even family. Even family. This is why those of you dating or maybe will be dating soon, that's the first question. The first question. Is Jesus your intimate friend first? That's the question first. Then you start figuring out, you know, which college football team, you know, because I don't know if I could do that. A good friend doesn't just have good wisdom, they give you good wisdom. Isn't that what that, you walk with the wise, you'll become wise. Why? Because they give it to you, they lend it to you, they offer it to you. This is why the Proverbs tell us that a good friend loves on you and the way they love on you is with good counsel, not by ignoring your stuff. The things in your life that are wrong, the things in your life that are hurting you, the things in your life that grieve the Holy Spirit of God, A good friend calls you out on that with good counsel, doesn't just go, okay, let's go to a movie and ignore it. Proverbs 27, 9 through 10. Proverbs 27, 9 and 10. This is the test of a true friendship. Will they give you counsel? Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Let's not blow past that too quickly. Just the way an expensive oil, an expensive perfume can, I don't know, change how you feel. It sets the mood, it makes the heart glad. In that way, this, having a, a friend around, the sweetness of having a friend around, is from their counsel. You will not find anything here, but it's about liking the same things you like. Oh, we both like that. It's they gave you wisdom when you needed wisdom, and that's why that friendship is sweet. See that? Now, we have plenty of books out there, plenty of books out there that will tell you what you need to do with people that call you out on stuff is cancel them. We call them haters. They cramp your style, you know what I mean? Don't, don't be around those negative people. You need positive people that build you up, that help you look in the mirror and affirm yourself. You just want your friends to be mirrors that affirm you. Not that reflect what you actually look like. Just reflect what you want yourself to be projected as. And they are part of this sort of mirage or facade to help you be your Facebook self instead of your real self. A real friend gets past the Facebook image of yourself and tells you how it is. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend and do not go to your brother's house on the day of calamity Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. This time it's a good brother, not a brother that hates you, a good brother, but he's not around, is he? Who's around? The person that's next to you giving you wisdom, that person's around and that's more valuable than the person you wish it would have been who's not around right now for whatever reason. Keep these people close to you. Keep these people in your life. Don't forsake them. I want you to notice the reason why a friend can be better than even a good brother or a good family member is their ability to surround you with wise counsel, sweet counsel, earnest counsel, not what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. That is a friend, and we need to have the wisdom to receive it, even if that counsel stings sometimes. We saw this before, but 27, verse 6, Proverbs 27, verse 6, I... This passage has passages been on my, my mind a lot in the last couple of years. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. There's your choice. Surround yourself with kisses that feel good or have people in your life that will cut you. They'll cut you. Well, I don't want to be cut. I'd rather have kisses. Yeah, on the surface, that's what we all want. But are they really your friends with all those, behind all those kisses, all those hugs, all those pounds, all those, hey, you're so great behind that? Are they really your friends? Or will they bounce on you the first moment of difficulty? A moment you can't share that affinity anymore, or whatever the issue might be in your life. Even enemies offer profuse kisses, it's surface. But faithful friends that wound you, they're wounding you out of friendship. And it's faithful of them to do that. Don't cut those people out of your life. Those aren't the haters. The haters are the ones kissing you and pretending everything's okay. I've seen this happen so many times where somebody's life is headed over the cliff and they have friends in church that are telling them this way, and then they have friends in the world, the workplace, that are telling them that way, and I can see it, I can see it, this almost visceral, like I've got to make a choice. And sadly, sometimes what they do is cancel the church, and go with the ones that want them, that, that say what they want to hear. And they head, run headlong into destruction. Other times, I see people lean into the, the wisdom that they're given in their friends, and they choose the appropriate door of wisdom. Now, this does not mean, Proverbs twenty-seven six does not mean that friends should be cutting you down all the time. I just want to, I want to be sure uh, if all the doctor ever wants to do is perform surgery, no matter what the occasion of the visit, probably need a new doctor. All he wants to do is cut me open, no matter what. It's, there's always a reason for surgery. No, that, that's probably a quack that you're seeing. But then conversely, if the doctor never has anything negative to say, the x-rays are up there, you see blobs of stuff that doesn't look like it belongs. I'm not an anatomy expert, but what is that huge thing? Don't worry about it. You know, probably a glitch in the x-ray. You know, a glitch in the x-ray? What what is that? (laughs) Don't worry about it. They never have anything negative to say. Would you be tempted to always go to that doctor? Yeah, if you wanted to ignore the things in your life that were cancerous, go to that guy. Not a real doctor? No. Doctors make you feel good. And the reason why people are like that is because they want you to keep visiting the office. Nobody wants to have that uncomfortable conversation. Hey, this here's this thing. Ah, I know it stings. It's like, ouch, why'd you do that? It's awkward. It's an argument. I've lost friends like that before. What if it happens again? So if somebody has... Humility, and they're not the type of person that just walks around cutting people all the time, and they do pull out the scalpel, and they go, hey, and they're trying to do surgery, cut them some slack and listen, because they're not out to get you. Now, Even if they're wrong, you have to visit it, because it needs to be scriptural. We need to look at scripture and go, okay, is that wrong in my life? But if the person is a faithful friend, a wise friend, and is bringing something up to you, We do weigh it with Scripture. We don't just swallow it without looking at it. But we don't want to reject it just because it hurts, just because it stings, because the wounds of a friend are faithful to you. They are giving you wisdom, and sometimes that wisdom runs contrary to the foolish thing that we want to do or the foolish thing that we want to entertain, and it hurts. And you know why it hurts? Because it's wisdom, and foolishness is more comfortable, and that's why it hurts. So you can have a friend that has all these other connections, all these other affinities, and that would make them seem like a natural friend, but the shared experience, the shared affinity, and the shared time doesn't necessarily make them the kind of true friend that the Proverbs are after. If they are not wise, then they are fools. And even if they're not intentionally trying to harm you, they will. Those friendships will harm you. Choosing wise friends will in turn grant you more wisdom. In contrast, running with foolish companions will harm you. Here's a few verses, and we'll go through these a little bit faster. Foolish friendships will harm you. Here's some examples. The Proverbs give them to us. Maybe you've experienced some of these. Chapter 16, verse 28. Proverbs 16, 28. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisper separates close friends. Has that ever happened? Started out great, but you knew they were dishonest in the beginning. Eventually, something gets out. Friends are separated. How do you close that gap with someone who's a fool, with someone who doesn't cherish truth or honesty? You never really know what they're thinking. You only know what they tell you they're thinking. You know what's going on in the inside. Proverbs chapter twenty-two. 24, and 25. Here's someone you don't make a friend with. Make no friendship with a man given to anger. Nor go with a wrathful man lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. I know he's really given to violence. He's really given to anger. But you know, once he cools off, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. No, he's not. Well, he needs help. He might need help. That is not you. Or you've tried to give him help, but he doesn't Receive it. And what the Proverbs is saying is the reason why that friendship is dangerous is not because you might be around when that person hurts somebody else. It's not even because you might be around and that person in his anger hurts you. What does it say? You might become like him. That's the problem. We become like the people we hang out with. We become like the companions we walk with. Chapter 17, verse 9. Whoever covers an offense seeks love. So there's the true friend. There's the true friend. Friendship continues because even when you did something wrong, you repent and ask for forgiveness. That friend doesn't continue to bring it up every time. Keeps throwing it in your face every time there's an argument. As spouses, we need to learn this lesson. Oh, I thought we handled that. Well, we didn't. You know, a year later, you still bring up the thing with the dishes, or whatever. I don't know why that popped in my head. I don't have a thing with dishes. You might. I don't know. The friend covers an offense because they're seeking love here, right? But he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Fools keep bringing stuff up. Chapter 28, verse 7. The one who keeps the law is a son with understanding. So here's someone who obeys the wisdom of God, follows the commandments of Christ, Wants the wisdom that is given to us by the Proverbs. The one who keeps the law is a son with understanding, but a companion of gluttons shames his father. So the first part, here's someone who's obeying, but then he switches it to the person who's disobeying, and look how he, what he pins it on. Why is this person disobeying the people he hangs out with? And then, here, here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. The wrathful guy, the violent guy smashing stuff all the time, like, yeah, okay, I get, I can be convinced. The Proverbs is telling me don't hang out with that guy. But the guy that hits the buffets too often? Why? Because he eats too much food? No, because he lacks self-discipline. And that lack of self-discipline is shown in his inability to stop eating. But the lack of self-discipline spills out in all kinds of ways, And it's shameful, it's shameful to his father, shameful to the family, shameful to the covenant group that you belong to, to run with people that pull you in a direction. Just enjoy it. There are no limits. There are no limits. That's what I don't like about church and organized religion. It's all structured and stuff. Yes. There there are lanes. It's like driving around in Egypt made me appreciate it. Our streets, there's lights and painted lines in the road. I was thankful that I didn't have to drive over there. There are no lines. It's just honking and, you know, meandering. They make it work, I I suppose, but I remember mentioning, well, you would, I guess, um, they don't get into accidents, and somebody told me, oh, they do. And I saw some of them as we were driving by, oh, That doesn't mean we don't get into accidents, but it points to the reason why we need structure in our lives. And the base instinct to not want rules and stop signs and lights and things in our in our particular lives, that it's shameful to live a life surrounded by companions who don't care what they do and don't care about limits and don't care about self-discipline. They'll call you lame, party pooper, stick in the mud, I don't know what... Other phrases might be used to communicate to you that you stink. You're annoying to hang out with because we're all doing this stuff and you're over here like, I'll have water. You know, come on, man. You know what I mean? It bothers them that you have rules. And so you'll be tempted to give up, give up those rules to kind of conform a little bit. And that's where it starts. So again... The theme verse, chapter 13, verse 20, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Choose Wise friends. It's a little bit circular because you have enough wisdom to discern wise people, and then you choose them to be your friends, and when you choose those wise people to be your friends, they in turn give you more wisdom on top of what you started with. You had enough wisdom to choose those friends in the first place, but it's circular, but it, it keeps leveling up as it goes. And final point I want to make before we go is rather than waiting for the right friends to come to you, be the wise friend and gain friendships. Rather than waiting around going, huh, who's going to befriend me? Befriend. Befriend people. Be proactive. Chapter 22, verse 11, I think is the only verse I have on this, but chapter 22, verse 11, he who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king as his friend. So so when you're doling out wisdom and doling out the goodness of God to other people, some people will spurn it, some people might reject it, but you gain friends that way, even friends that you didn't think you'd have, maybe even someone in a high position somewhere. You remember the whole reason why Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan? All these people went past this dude that was robbed and beat up on the side of the road and they just passed him by, you remember that story? One person at the end of the story helped the Samaritan, got them to the hotel and put them up and put the things that he needs on my tab. You remember that? And then Jesus asked his audience. Here's how he put the question. Who proved to be a neighbor to the guy that was beat up? And the answer was, oh, the Samaritan. Go and do likewise. Be a neighbor to somebody else. So rather than being in passive mode waiting for friendships to come to you, we should be about making friendships. We have some guidance as to how to choose friends, and it's not age. It's not listening to the same Spotify playlist. You know, what I like about CFC is the intergenerationality of our church. What I'd like to see more of is young people hanging out with old people, right? Because even though you don't get that phrase I just said, even though you don't get the phrase they just said, (laughs) you share something that is eternal, which is the wisdom of God and Jesus Christ himself. If that's the basis of our friendship, it doesn't matter what language was our first language, it doesn't matter what your ethnicity is, it doesn't matter what your age bracket is, what matters is you're both chasing wisdom. That means you're walking on the same path. That's your companion. That's your companion. Be a neighbor to someone else. Where do we find such friends? (laughs) You know what I'm going to say, right? I think the primary center is church. Psalm 1 begins with the person who does not find counsel with the wicked, the scoffers, the ungodly. He doesn't walk with them, sit with them, eat with them, right? Where does he find it? Scroll down to the bottom of Psalm 1. In the assembly of the righteous. He's not alone. He didn't go with that group. He ends up with this group. And it's that group, the assembly, where we find people who are proactively looking for wisdom, proactively doling out wisdom, and reciprocating wisdom. So you give wisdom to somebody, and they go, wow, I appreciate that. Here's wisdom for you. And we grow together in that. That's the entire fabric of the Christian community. You might think, well, I... I really don't have many friends at church. Here's a few things I want to say really quickly. Make them. Be proactive and make them. Don't wait for someone to do it. Second, be open to them. You see someone trying, be open to it. And don't be bored by their conversations of the hobby that they do that you're not interested in. Be interested because you love them. Rather than the reverse, what everyone else does, I'm interested in you because I'm first interested in this hobby. We share this hobby, so now I'm interested in you. We have to reverse that in our church and say, I'm interested in you, therefore I want to hear about your hobby. See? The affinity is not the foundation. Our relationship and proximity to Christ is the foundation. Change your view on what a friend is. A friend is not simply a poker buddy, a fishing pal, someone you get along with, sure. Some of us get along better than others of us that doesn't mean we hate other people in the church it just we're going to gravitate toward people for one reason or another and that's okay that is okay there's there's nothing wrong with that but make sure that the foundation of the friendship is wisdom wise counsel make no mistake scripture doesn't give us a step-by-step pattern here's how you make a friend step a step b right we don't have that you just get to it it's kind of like spiritual gifts have you ever realized what we get is lists of spiritual gifts? We're told we have spiritual gifts. We're told to use the spiritual gifts. What we're lacking is here how you discover the spiritual gifts. Isn't that frustrating? <laughs> so we come up with surveys and ways how to which is my spiritual gifts? And we try to do surveys, and then we calculate the rating at the end. I don't know if you've ever done this. There's a bunch of them online. You rate things 1 through 5, and at the end, you're like, oh, my goodness, I, ha- I had no idea. I have the gifts of ho- hospitality. I guess I should go to home goods and and buy some new dishes or something like that like you're totally shocked if you're totally shocked that's probably not your spiritual gift but the bible doesn't really give us formulas right like take this test at the back of proverbs there's an appendix take that test and that's how you make friends it just expects you to go ahead and make them and it's almost like when paul is talking about spiritual gifts he's like people have different spiritual gifts and sometimes you have a spiritual gift that you didn't think you had, or you, you, you want someone else's spiritual gift, but, and that's your excuse to kind of check out or not get involved in church. Get over yourself and start serving. Well, how do we do it? Start serving. How do we do it? In love, the most excellent way. Start serving. And I think with friends, it's the same thing. It's like we don't have to scramble to try to figure out step one, step two. It's like It's called overthinking, you know? Join somebody for a meal. Have someone over your house. It's a mess. So is theirs. Maybe not as messy as yours, but you know what I'm saying? You have to swallow a a, a humble pill and make the effort. Finally, last thing, make time for it. Make time for it. Make time for it for yourselves. Make time for it for your kids. Um, I, I think we need to do what we can to try to stoke the Christian friendships that we have. That doesn't mean I tell my kids, you can't have unbelievers as friends. But when my kids want to go hang out with kids from church, they spend hours upon hours with kids in the world. Like, Dad, can I go to talk about, You know, these kids from church want to go. I'm like pulling out money. Like, yes, yes, hang out with Christian friends. But we don't want that just for our kids. We need to do that. And we need to maybe just open the calendar and look. Can I hang out with somebody here or there, have somebody over, whatever it might be, but it takes intentional effort. Don't wait for a church event. Make an event. You have our permission. It's all good. You want to have people over your house? Go for it. It doesn't have to be an official growth group. Connect with each other, and let's lean into these friendships, because when you make wise friends, they surround you with the counsel that you need to be even wiser. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful to you first and foremost for the friendship that we have in Jesus Christ. A friend that we shouldn't have had, a friend that doesn't make sense to have after our rebelling, after our spurning of grace, our inclination to choose other friendships over friendship with you. You overcame that. With love, and you're the ultimate example of covering an offense uh, by pursuing love. You demonstrated your love to us. Now that while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for the ungodly. What a friendship we have indeed. We pray that we would leave here wanting to extend that kind of love to others, people in our lives that have made mistakes and they've messed up, but they're repentant. We don't want to hold it against them. Help us to cover those offenses and and grow in it. People in our lives that, for unbelievers, they're okay people, but they're just, they're unbelievers. They're they're the ultimate fool who's deciding not to follow you. We pray that we would minister to them intentionally, bring the gospel to them, be clear about it. Help us to understand that we need to use our words to, to communicate it but also help us lean into friendships where we can gain counsel, where we can be influenced in the right ways, in good ways. And as we close in this song, we pray that you would give us the grace to live according to the wisdom that you've given us, Father. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.